I think we'd all lose the race if it wasn't for grace. Amen? Praise God. Appreciate that testimony. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Psalms. We're going to be in Psalms 51 this morning. I'm going to read the first seven verses. Psalms 51, verses 1 through 7. It says, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. May God add the blessing to the reading of his word. And let's unite our hearts once again in prayer. Father, again, we come to you thanking you, Lord, for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you, God, for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to pay our penalty on Calvary's cross. What a great and a gracious God you are. Teach us from your word this morning. For it's in your precious name that we pray and ask. Amen. All right, one, I think, of the clearest, one of the most fundamental truths in all of the Bible is that we've all sinned, amen? The Bible says in Romans 6, 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Also, in the book of Galatians chapter 3 and verse 22, Paul says that Scripture has confined all of us under sin. Now, I realize down through the ages, people have tried to minimize this fact that we've all sinned, that we all sin, uh, like Rebecca alluded to this morning, that we all sin practically every day. But the Bible has some serious things to say about sin. The Bible doesn't minimize sin at all like we do, but has some very uh, strong words to uh, say about sin. It says that the wages of sin is death. The Bible says that the soul that sinneth shall surely die. Now, we understand especially those of you that have sat under my preaching, I've said it over and over again, that when the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, when it says that the soul that sinneth shall surely die, it's not talking completely or explicitly about physical death. 
It does include physical death. The reason death is in the world is because of sin. But what it's talking about more than that is a separation from God. The Bible teaches that God cannot tolerate sin and that he separates the sin from himself. So when it says that the wages of sin is death or the sin that uh, the soul that sinneth shall surely die what he's talking about there is a separation that we cannot be in the presence of God as long as sin reigns in our life it's talking about that separation but we are constantly even though the bible is very serious and very it speaks very strongly about sin, like I said, people down through the ages have tried to minimize what sin really is. It's talking about that separation. Man says that sin is just an accident where God calls it an abomination. Man says that sin is a blunder where God calls it blindness. Man says it's a chance that we take. God says that it is a choice. Man says it's some kind of a defect, and God calls it a disease. Man says it's just an error that we might have made. God calls it enmity. Man says that it may be just a mistake. God calls it madness. Man says it's just a trifle. God calls it a tragedy. Man says it's just a weakness that we have. God calls it wickedness. I could go on and on and on, but I'll let it suffice to say that God takes sin very seriously. So I want to ask this question this morning. What is sin? We need to have a clear understanding of what sin is. And so the first point of my message this morning is the definition of sin, and we find it in these verses that we just read. Verses 1 and 2 have three words in it that define the, uh, what sin is more than anything that I could ever share with you. If you see there in verse 1 where it says, Blot out my transgressions. Transgression is the first word. And then the line right after that says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. That word iniquity is the second word. And then it says, And cleanse me from my sin. Sin is the third word. In those two verses of Psalms 51, God lays out exactly what sin is. The first word, transgression, he's talking about transgression of the law. When God created the universe, he made certain laws. He made physical laws. He made he handed down moral laws and he handed down spiritual laws. And sin is when we transgress that law. Just like in the physical universe, God has certain laws that have to be adhered to. 
The most common physical law that we know of the universe is that of gravity. Without gravity, life would not exist. Did you know that? If we didn't have gravity, none of us would be here today. Do you realize that the world, the earth, is spinning on its axis? We never think about this, but it's spinning on its axis 1,000 miles an hour. Think about that. Boy, I mean, when I was driving 70 to church this morning, I thought I was going pretty fast. But the earth is spinning at a rate of over a 1,000 miles an hour. It's easy to check on that. There are the, the circumference of the earth is about 24,000 miles if you measure the circumference. How long does it take for it to go around one time? 24 hours. That means the earth is spinning. It doesn't feel like it. We don't recognize that because the earth is so large, but it is actually spinning around at a rate of 1,000 miles per hour. If it weren't for gravity, everything would be flat. There, there would be no possibility of life on earth. We have to understand and adhere to the physical laws that God has made for the universe. Now, we also, man was made to live on the land. We were made to live on land and breathe air. Amen? Fish were made to live in the ocean or in the water and breathe through their gills. Through In the water they were able to breathe. If you take a fish and put him on the land, he's not going to be a happy fish for very long. If you take that man and put him under the water, he's not going to be a happy man for very long. You see, there are physical laws of this universe that we have to abide by. There are also social laws. There are moral laws. There are spiritual laws that we need to abide by. Now, this, this transgression of the law, what that word actually means is to step out of bounds, to step over the line. Those laws draw lines that we are not supposed to step over. They give you, probably it's a football season, so let me give you a football uh, illustration. I can remember seven, several years ago that Denison High School went down to Waco to play a uh, school by the name of Kerrville Hivey. Now, Kerrville Hivey had a quarterback that you may remember. His name was Johnny Manziel, and he was a tremendous quarterback. Now, Denison High School had a running back that was a pretty dynamic running back. His name was Corey Robertson. Corey Robertson in that game down in Waco rushed for over 300 yards in that game. Uh, Johnny Manziel went crazy. And every time they got the ball, they scored. Every time Dennison got the ball, they scored. The final score of the game was 63 to 60. And we were, we had the ball. Everybody thought the last person who had the ball, that team would win. 
and we were the last team to have the ball. The score was 63-60. to Corey Robinson broke off to the left side and started running up the sidelines and scored a touchdown, and the Denison fans went absolutely nuts because as he crossed the, tu- the, 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 the goal line, the clock ran out. <laughs> we won. What a game. But then everything came to a sudden still stop, stop. There was a yellow flag down back here. It wasn't really a penalty, but the, but the referee had to mark the spot on the way. Down that sideline, Corey Robertson stepped out of bounds. He stepped over the line. He went over. He broke the law of the game. He was supposed to stay in the line, but he didn't. He stepped over the line. They called the touchdown back. I mean, he was, he, he was sobbing because of that mistake. He broke the law of the game, and because of that, He was penalized for it. They brought the run back, and we lost the game. But listen, this is the important thing to understand about that. Corey thought he was being penalized. He he felt bad because he had done something wrong. But listen, it didn't just affect Corey Robertson. It affected the whole team. The whole team was let down. But not only did it affect the whole team, all of the Denison fans in the fa- in, in the in the grand or the stands, whatever you want to call it, they were all let down. We were all deflated. It affected every single one of us. And when the news got back to Denison, the whole high school was deflated. About so folks, listen to me. When we cross the line. That is a transgression of God's law. And the Bible calls that sin. And it affects the person that does it. It affects the people that are associated with the person that does it. And it affects the people that surround the person that does it. Do you understand when you sin, it doesn't just affect you, but it affects your family it affects your uh, business. It affects your hometown. It affects the society around you. The Bible says that sin is a transgression of the law. Now, next, the next thing that it says is that uh, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. What does iniquity mean? This is another word. For sin, wash me thoroughly of my iniquity. Iniquity means, literally, it means to twist out of shape or to distort. I can remember when I uh, first went to seminary up in Louisville, Kentucky. I became a pastor of Mount Freedom Baptist Church out in the country. They had a really nice uh, uh, pastorium or... uh, uh, what's the word? Parsonage. They had a they had a really nice one, but they had baseboard heaters. You know what baseboard heaters were? Living in Florida, I'd never seen a baseboard heater in my life. I didn't even know what it was. 
and uh, but they had baseboard heaters. And of course, my first church, I made $125 a week. I didn't make a whole lot of money, and uh, and we lived on a pretty uh, tight budget, and we wanted to decorate that uh, house. And so I went. To, do you remember Kmart? I went to Kmart and bought this really what I thought was a beautiful flower arrangement that was plastic. I put it over there next to the window, right next to that baseboard heater. When it winter came, we went to bed one night, and I got up the next morning, and I thought I smelled something funny. And I went out, and that beautiful, what I thought was beautiful, plastic flower arrangement was melted down and looked horrendous. Plastic dripping on the floor. But it was grotesque looking. Iniquity takes something that God intends to be beautiful and special and fresh and distorts it and twists it and makes it into something ugly. That's what that's what David was guilty of with Bathsheba. God intended for a man's relationship with his wife to be something beautiful, something wonderful, something great. And uh, David took it and he twisted it and distorted it and made it into something that was ugly and horrible. That's what sin does to our life. It is a transgression where we step over the line. It is iniquity where we take something that God intends to be beautiful and special and distorts it and makes it ugly. And then the third word, he says, cleanse me from my sin. Sin is a simple word. It simply means to miss the mark. It's talking about an archer who shoots an arrow at a target and the arrow uh, falls short. I may have told you this story before. I don't remember. But when I graduated from high school, I was a three-sport uh, athlete. I, I, I thought I was pretty special. I thought I could do just about anything. And I went away to college and uh, I had to take, I was going to, <clears throat> excuse me, I had to take a, 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 a sports education class. I thought that it was going to be an easy class. I, that's a good way. Th those of you that are getting ready to go to college, you always want to find at least one or two classes that are really easy because the others might eat your lunch. And, and so I thought this sports education, oh, I'm an athlete. I could do anything that I... I went out there on the first day, and there was this lady instructor. She was about 5'4 and weighed about 100 pounds. She had on a little white skirt and a pink top and white tennis shoes. And I went up to her, and she, it was 
an archery course. And she was going to teach me how to shoot a bow and arrow. I, I told you before, when I was little, I had one of those little bows and arrows that had the feather on the top. I, I had one. I'd seen every Robin Hood movie that there ever came out. I knew how to shoot a bow and arrow. I mean, cowboys and Indians, those were the things back in the day. I said, let me see that bow. She, that bow was about this tall. I started to pull it back. And I, what? I put, the, I put the arrow up on, on my finger, you know, and it fell off. Fell off. Finally, I got it to where I could keep it up there, and I pulled that bow back, and I let it go, and I almost shot the person in next to me. I don't know how it did that. I don't know how it did that. Finally, they got me to where I could shoot it straight, but it wouldn't make it all the way to, it would fall short. It would fall short. It would fall short every single time. I dropped that class. <laughs> Folks, the Bible says that we've all sinned. That means every one of us. That means you. That means me. And that sin, I'm, the Apostle Paul, he defined it right there, what sin means. He says, for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. So, when you think of sin, think of transgression, stepping over the line, think of iniquity, twisting out of shape, think of falling short of the glory of God. And you can understand how all of us have sinned uh, and fallen short of the glory of God. Before we leave this first point, the definition of sin, I want you to notice the personal pronouns in verses 1 and 2. Because you see, what we have a tendency to do is to blame that sin, that iniquity, those transgressions. We have a tendency to blame that on other people. Notice what it says. Have mercy upon me, O God. It says, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. What, what David is doing is he's acknowledging that it's nobody else's fault but my own. I'm the one that did it. I'm the one that made the choice. And it's not the way God made me or it's not, it's not the uh, 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 fact that my parents treated me badly when I was uh, uh, three or whatever it might be. It's a personal thing that I have sinned before God and I'm asking God to forgive me for what I did. So the definition of sin... Transgression, stepping over the line, iniquity, twisting and distorting, and sin, falling short of the glory of God. Not only do I want you to see the deceitful, the, uh, the definition of sin, but also the deceitfulness of sin 
in the book of Hebrews chapter 3. In Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13, it says, Exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhort one another. Lift up one another. Encourage one another. Warn one another every single day while it's still called today. Be sure to encourage and warn and lift up one another because if not, we might be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin because, you see, sin will uh, take you where you don't want to go and take you further than you want to go and cost you more than what you want to pay to get there. Sin is a, uh, an ugly thing. And uh, we need to lift up one another. We need to warn one another. We need to encourage one another. And you say, but, but why, why is that so important? It's because sin is deceitful. Satan is the liar and the father of all lies. He's not going to show you what the end result of that sin is going to be. I was talking to my daughter the other day and she said that she had gone to the doctor and uh, that she had the, she was pre-diabetic. I remember about 20 years ago a doctor telling me that I was pre-diabetic and I told her the first thing out of my mouth, I said, Beth, you've got to lose weight. You've got to, you've got to start taking care of yourself. You've got to, you've got to listen to what the doctor's saying. And it's not because I'm judging you, but it's because I've been there and I know what it's like when the doctor tells me that I'm pre-diabetic. I didn't pay any attention to him. I went on doing everything that I wanted to do. I went on doing eating what I wanted to eat, not exercising the way I should be exercising. I didn't do any of those things, and now I'm paying, I'm paying the piper. I'm paying for those things that I didn't do before, and I wanted to be sure that I warned her and I, I encouraged her to do something about it because, folks, listen to me. Listen to me. The devil is not going to tell you about how your neuropathy comes up. Uh, coming to church this morning, I had a heart. I couldn't tell if my foot was on the, the brake or the gas, and I was pushing down on the gas when I was supposed to be stepping on the brake, and I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell. I couldn't feel it. I can't feel. I can step on a nail and go through my feet, and I can't feel it because I didn't. I didn't heed the warning. Folks, listen to me. I'm telling you, don't flirt. Don't flirt with sin because the, the devil's going to make it look nice. He's going to make it look pretty. He's going to make it look exciting. He's going to make it look fun. He's going to make all kinds of things. 
but the end thereof is destruction. Oh, he tells us to understand that sin is deceitful. He won't tell you about the fear and the agony or the uncertain future of a mother and her children when her husband was killed as he ran his car off of a road into a tree and killed himself. It doesn't say how, why, why, it doesn't tell how that uh, a preacher has to go and tell a young, uh, when I say young, they were in their late 40s, that their two 16-year-old daughters, twins, were killed when they were hit head-on by a drunk driver. Uh, they never tell you that kind of stuff. They don't talk about how drugs will cause you to lose all kinds of respect for yourself and leave your family and go live under a bridge. They don't tell you any of that. They make it look exciting. They make it look, oh, fun, man. This is something that we ought to do. This is something we want to do. He doesn't tell you what the end is like. He doesn't want you to know the end. Because if he did, you wouldn't be tempted. Folks, listen to me. Sin is deceitful. The devil is a liar and the father of all lies. That leads me to point number three. The destructiveness of sin. I've already kind of touched on that. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was somebody here even this morning, that may be saying in your head right now, oh, yeah, but nobody knows about my sin. You know, nobody, I mean, I can, I, I've done a pretty good job of hiding my sin. Folks, listen to me. The Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. The Bible talks about how one day that your sin is going to be shouted from the rooftops. Folks, listen to me. Uh, sin is destructive. It will tear your life apart. But not only that. Not only that. Think about what it's already done. Think about what it's already done. Uh, think back about uh, 2,000 years ago. When there was a young man, 33 years of age. He was standing before a judge and and the judge said that he had committed treason. They took him into a room. They blindfolded him. And they beat him with rods. And, and then they, they made sport of that. They beat him with rods and said, If you're the son of God, tell us who, who hit you. Who, which one is hitting you? They would pluck out his beard. They would spit in his face. They beat him with a cat of nine tails until his body was flayed open. Then when he couldn't stand anymore, they gave him, put a heavy cross on his shoulders and made him walk the way of the Via Dolorosa up to Mount Calvary. And when he couldn't stand it, 
anymore. He stumbled to the ground and they, they called, they impressed Simon of Cyrene, a black man, and made him carry the cross up to the, up to the top of Mount Calvary. And there they laid him out on that wooden cross and they nailed his hands and his feet and then they lifted that cross up and dropped it into a hole with a thud and I know how it must have torn on his feet and his hands as it hit the bottom of that. Oh no, it doesn't say anything about that at all. And... Uh, The passers-by made fun of him. They mocked him. They said, if you're the son of God, why don't you come down off the cross? Why don't you just come down off the cross if you're really the son of God? Oh, let me tell you something, folks. Those spikes in his hands and his feet and maybe the leather straps around his wrist, that's not what kept Jesus on the cross. It was your sin and my sin that kept him up there. It's because he loved us more than he loved himself. And he was willing. He says, nobody took my life. I laid it down of my own will. He died for you and he died for me. It's Oh, folks, you have to understand it's not just what he will do, sin will do in your life. It's what he has already done. I know I've painted a dark picture. Let me just very quickly go over the last point. And that is the detergent for sin. What we've been talking about is what theologians call the depravity of man, the fallen nature of man. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners, every one of us. But God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God proved that love. He demonstrated that love toward us that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. One last thing. In Isaiah chapter 53, in verse 6, the Bible says, All we like sheep have gone astray, and every man has turned to his own way. But God had laid upon him, upon Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. I've used this illustration before. Let me use it one more time as I close. Let's suppose... This is my Bible. This is my study Bible. But let's suppose that it's not a Bible. Let's suppose that this is a record of every sin that I've committed. There's a lot of pages, and it's written real small. But let's suppose, let's suppose this is a record of every sin that I've ever committed. This is me. This is Jesus. Let's say, 
I come to a meeting, something like today. Let's say, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to get my life right. I'm going to make changes in my life. I'm going to start searching. I'm going to start trying to reach God. Let's say that light up there is God. And I'm going to get closer and closer and closer. It's a shame I'm as short as I am. But even if I was taller than anybody in here, I still couldn't reach that light. But let's suppose I was tall enough to reach that light. I could get all the way up there. You know what? This record of sin would still separate me from God. I would still fall short, wouldn't I? We all fall short in glory. This sin would stop me from having communion with God. But all we like sheep have gone astray. Every man's turned to his own way. But praise God. God, this is Jesus, had laid upon him the iniquity of us all. And he took my iniquity to the cross. And that leaves me free to have fellowship with God. All my sins are taken away and put on Jesus. That's what God's done for us. That's how much he loves us. He, lo- he demonstrated that love for us. That even while we were yet sinners, Christ died. He took that sin upon himself and he carried it to Calvary's cross and paid the wages of sin, which is death. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He experienced that separation that we no longer have to do if we know Jesus is our Lord and Savior. The Bible says that if we confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from that dead, we shall be saved. Amen. Oh, what turned out to be a very dark story becomes a very bright and happy ending in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the wonderful blessings you give us. We thank you for Jesus. I just ask you, God, to be real in this place this morning. I pray, God, that you would speak to hearts, that you would uh, have your way in our hearts today. Help us to confess, to turn from that sin and turn to you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.